Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. The Sports Complex with Patrick Davis on the Horn. Welcome back to the Sports Complex here on a Monday afternoon. I'm your host, Patrick Davis. On the show today, we're going to get into the Cowboys and their preseason opener. Some sound from Mike McCarthy. And, of course, some big news happening in Arlington, in Dallas. Uh, Several stories breaking uh, about the Dallas Cowboys today. We're also going to get into a little bit of James Harden and Justin Verlander. And our big fat poll of the day, uh, Pete Sampson joined E and Rodby this morning to uh, talk about Notre Dame, number 15 on the Horns uh, countdown to college football. We'll get into your text. 512-337-3776 is the Specs text line if you want to join the conversation. We're also going to get uh, some notes there from Sark. He is talking to the media, I believe right now. He'll be talking to them, so we'll try to get into that. Talk about the scrimmage that happened this weekend and a little bit of recruiting update. And we are out early today for the Rangers. Pre-game starting at 6.30, so we'll be off for that. But we got a whole lot to get to today, so we appreciate you joining us. Join us on the uh, Specs Text Line, 512-337-3776. It's how you can join the conversation there. And uh, I want to give a big thanks to everyone who uh, I saw out last night at Obi Fest. It was out there all day uh, at the Railhouse. It was a real fun time. Got to meet some different uh, listeners of the show, some friends uh, that I hadn't seen in a long time that came out to uh, and uh, celebrate the life of MC Overlord. Uh, wonderful time, though. Uh, shout out to Homer's. In uh, up in Pflugerville, I believe, is where he said Homer's was at, but it was nice to meet him uh, as well as some other listeners of the show. Tomar Williams came out and uh, did a great job. All the bands. It was just so much fun uh, to be out there and have a great time yesterday. You can tell my voice is a little different because I may have been talking for about eight hours straight yesterday uh, in the 100-degree in the heat outside watching these shows and having a good time. But I, it's my voice like 90%, really 90% today, so I think we'll be fine for the show. Uh Let's get into it, though. Cowboys open their uh, preseason opener uh, against the Jaguars on Saturday. Have a decent game. You get an early interception against Trevor Lawrence, who we weren't sure if Trevor Lawrence was going to play or not. He comes in, uh, is able to get him uh, you know, an interception early. They start to go through. Look okay. They look okay. The, uh, Deuce Vaughn shows out in that game. DeMar- uh, DeMarvion Overshawn shows out in that game. Some good rookies. Uh, Mozzie Smith, not as much. Uh, looked like he was a little slow on the snap, but that maybe a little bit of time missed because of his knee pain. Uh, and, you know, I, I think he'll be fine. It is just going to be a little bit more. It looks like more of a learning curve for him uh, to get up to speed. And he didn't look bad. He just didn't look like the guy you won in that first-round pick. So, you know, hopefully he'll get there and get a little bit more pressure from him uh, in the coming days. But the big news today is not just the, pre- the scrimmage or the uh, preseason game which we'll get into a little bit more, and I got some sound from Mike McCarthy. But the big news for the Dallas Cowboys 
is that Zach Martin and the Cowboys have finally reached an agreement. He's basically going to get about $8 million more on his contract, four more in uh, the following two years uh, each, and then he's also, those next two years are fully guaranteed now. Uh, so Zach Martin will be coming back to this O-line, which did look like it needed to have a Zach Martin. This The depth is not necessarily fully there for this Cowboys O-line. They did okay, but nothing that you would think this is uh, – this is we're ready to go. We're ready to go week one. I feel comfortable putting Dak Prescott out there with this O line. So I think it's very good. You get Zach Martin back, Biotis is playing back now. So if you're able to get your guys back and healthy, that O line then doesn't become a factor where it looked like earlier in this preseason that that O line could have been a huge factor. Uh Mike McCarthy did talk about the offensive line depth uh after the game on Saturday. Well, I mean, it's it's definitely a concern. I mean, just you know, because you know, when you look at the just the way you practice, you know, I mean, the goal is and, and concerns not because I, I, I don't want this going on going down that road. It's a focus would be a better so scratch that. Um, it's a focus, you know, because you always would like to get to a point in camp where you we have your five, you know, your five guys that you're, you're going to try to get connected and, and get into a rhythm and so forth. Uh, you know, we're we're obviously not at that point. Um, you know, we have we have some veterans, we have we have some moving parts. So on the flip side of that, it does create a lot of opportunity for our young players. You know, and uh, just talking with Josh Ball before I come in here, I, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see what he, you know, what you know how his game went. He asked me how he asked me how he did. I said, well, I got this new gig. I'm kind of busy. sorry I didn't get to watch it tonight, but um, so uh, you know, it's. It, this is this is good for us. I mean, I think this will pay dividends in the long run. But you know, but at, at some point, you do want to get into that routine of, of getting five guys working together. So there, I mean, that's him. The first part of that is that he's okay with the O line. But you know, it's it's that Mike McCarthy thing where he starts to tell the truth, and be like, oh, we're not really like we were not there. We're not there. And then he goes, oh no 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 no. But actually, we're fine. We're fine. Don't worry about it. Uh, I think they did just well enough for Zach Martin to get paid today. Uh, that's how well that O-line and the depth there looked of the Jerry Jones. Well, I guess, you know, maybe we'd have to deal with it if he got hurt. Not not the case. Jerry Jones realized, let's get let's finish up this holdout. We need him ready week one because, you know, we need this running game to look better than it did. And Deuce Vaughn looked good. And I get Tony Pollard wasn't there. But the running game and its whole, Malik Davis did not look good really at all in the running game. He was okay uh, receiving, but not great in there. Rico Dottle looked okay. Deuce Vaughn looked good. Uh, but the big part of that for me, when I was listening to this whole press conference, uh, the thing that kind of stuck out to me on this whole press conference for Mike McCarthy is that Mike McCarthy is acting as if taking over play calling wasn't his idea, really. It seems as if he got demoted to play caller. And I know that sounds weird, but he doesn't sound like a head coach. He does nothing about this press conference. sounds like a head coach. Everything they keep asking, he goes, oh, I couldn't really watch that because, you know, I, new thing I got to do. I got to call plays. And I, I couldn't see that because, you know, I got a new thing I got to do. We got to call plays. And, and you're like, well, dude, if you can't do both, that's a problem. So he talks, he goes on the press conference to talk about calling plays. Here's Mike McCarthy talking about calling plays where he says, you know, hey, man, I'll get back and we'll get the hang of it. And the, the reporter, when he asked the question, basically asked him, is calling plays like riding a bike? Here's Mike McCarthy's answer. Well, um, yeah, I, I would say a lot of it's like riding a bike because, I mean, it, it was, um, you know, it's natural. I mean, I think just like anything in this game, uh, you know, your, your, your preparation really ties to your performance. So it was fun to prepare for a game again. 
Um, but you know, preseason games are a bit different. You know, you're you're so focused on your players and your guys, and, and just keeping them in friendly concepts. You know, especially with the focus of uh, you know of our young guys. But yeah, it wasn't clean. You know, I got I got a number of things that you know we'll talk about as a staff, and you know, so and we'll be better for it because I mean, it's, this was our first time operating. You know, uh, personally, I'm, I'm glad I had. You know, I have a number of coaches that work with me before. You know, I, you know, I, I, I made it. And I had an old call come out of my mouth that that's that it's not the offense. So that was, that was fun. But uh, so, but we corrected that immediately. But uh, truck right was old strong right. So strong right come flying out of there. It, it's but it, it actually was a big play too. So you can take that for what it's worth. But uh, no, it's. Um, I, it, it was good to get. It's good to get back into it. But you know, I think I think Brian and his staff are, are, are doing a great job. If any, if anything, we probably overcommunicated, which is a good thing. So, um, um, and we'll be better next week. There it is. We'll be better next week, and and he better be because, as I said, this whole press conference sounds as if he's really struggling trying to do two things at once. Really struggling to figure out how to be a play caller and do another thing, and. To be a head coach in the NFL, if you can't be a leader and get this team ready to go, who's going to do that for you? Who's going to – is Dak Prescott have to lead this team? Is Dak Prescott the de facto head coach because he's going to be the one on the sideline talking to players because he's not freaked out? He says later in this press conference he couldn't really watch the defense because he was worried about play, call play callings for the offense. He says that he couldn't watch the players that he was doing, even though they're playing offense that he's calling. He couldn't really watch them because he has to call plays. And I get you want to be focused. You want to make the right play calls. But can you be a head coach if you can't manage anything else but doing the bare minimum of calling plays? If you can't do anything else, you're not a head coach anymore. You're an offensive coordinator. That's what you are. And so is this a, is this really just kind of a sideways where he doesn't want the pressure? And I know he'll say in this, we'll play a clip, and he'll say, blame it on me. But – you can be like, I'll just take the blame, but are you just a glorified offensive coordinator at this point with Mike McCarthy? And if that's the case, I think there's probably better play callers out there. We'll see. I mean, one of the interesting things we saw is we know that he made the big claim that they were going to run the ball more. And they didn't at all in the preseason. Now, it's preseason again, so they're trying to get different things done. But you figure you want to work the O-line. You figure you want to run these work these running backs in preseason because you don't care about Cooper Rush or Will Greer. Like, that's great. They can play, but it doesn't matter. They're, they're not starting over deck. We know who the starting quarterback is. You want to get some of those wide receivers some reps? Sure, but, you re- I mean, you didn't. You were trying to spread the ball around. It wasn't like you were really working Tolbert. You weren't playing Gallup. You're not playing Cooks. You're not playing Rodgers. I, I get, okay, you want to throw it to the tight end. You want to throw it to Ferguson some. You want to see how the tight ends work. But to only carry the ball 22 times and throw the ball 43 doesn't seem like what you would do in this preseason game, and it doesn't seem like what he said. The interesting part is he did have 11 targets to running backs, so he did throw the ball. So if we take the targets to running backs, and I know they're checkdowns, they're not all call plays for for running backs, Uh, but if we take the 11 targets, then it makes it a little bit closer, where it's 33 uh, running back plays to uh, 32 plays thrown to wide receivers or, or tight ends. So it does get a little bit closer if we throw in, okay, he's going to start throwing... Uh, you know, short passes. I, I, I can get all this. I'm not. I don't think his play calling was bad, but I don't get how it just doesn't seem like he is going to be able to handle the responsibilities of being a head coach in the NFL and being the play caller. We know he's saying that Brian Schottenheimer is going to help him out. 
uh, a ton, and they're going to try and work together. It's, but I mean, it just they. It, it seems like he kind of wanted to hire Schottenheimer, and Jerry Jones ixnade that, and so they said, okay, well, you got to call the plays. And he, I, I just don't like the attitude of if you know, I got another job I got to do. Yeah, you know, it's just hard for me. I, I just don't like that attitude from a guy who's supposed to be leading this team. You you need to show that you can handle it and that this team is ready to go and do things. Not, hey, man, even the coach doesn't know what he's doing. And then he talks later in this press conference. They're asking him, okay, well, if you seem kind of overwhelmed right now because you're calling plays and you can't watch the defense at all, you can't watch your own players that you're calling plays for to see how they're doing. You can't watch any of that stuff. You're just focused on play calling. Then how are you going to manage the clock? And how do you have game management? And he basically said, well, we hired some people to, to do analytics to do that for me. Here's Mike McCarthy. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we, you know, we have uh, we're kind of been able to go back, you know, with our new analytics team that we've that we've hired recently. Um, you know, we, we've been able to go, go back to what I refer to as a two man format. Um, that that I've used in the past. So, um, yeah. So it, this was the first night that, and we had, we had some good conversations. We had you know had one conversation there at the uh, at the two you know two oh eight mark there uh, at the, in the fourth quarter on you know when to burn that last time out and you know just we're able to operate and make those decisions and and in live time. So about threshold decisions. So that was good work for us. Don't have like one coach kind of in charge of maybe. Yeah, you. yeah. I've 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 two two individuals that are primary in charge of game management. But if you don't like it, just just yell at me. That's how that's how we do it. So. I I like. I mean, you ended on the joke. Just yell at me. I'm not worried about yelling at you because I don't think you're going to have this job at the end of the year because you don't sound like a head coach in the NFL. You're running the biggest franchise. They just did the, the the rankings of how much teams are worth. You're running the biggest franchise in America, and you you're that's your leader. That's the guy who's leading you. Is the guy who goes, yeah, no, no, I, I'm calling plays. I'm a glorified offensive coordinator, and they had to hire some dudes because I'm so bad at game management that they had to hire some analytics guys to be like, hey, Mike, you should call timeout now, buddy. That's what they had. We had to hire some guys for that. I I, I don't it. If you were gonna go this route, then just make the move. Maybe you don't want to pay. I don't know. It just seems as if Jerry Jones went in, had some conversation. They said, "Hey, whatever we're doing isn't working. We got to make some changes." And I'd really like to make Dan Quinn head coach, and then you know, kind of demote you. But I can't demote you because you'll leave. And and I don't want to give up on the Mike McCarthy experiment. So I'm gonna I'm gonna keep you, but I need you to call the plays. You have to be the play caller. And because I don't trust you to then have game management, because you couldn't handle game management well when you that was your only job, when you were just trying to lead this team and you weren't play calling, you couldn't even really handle all that as well as you needed to at points. So now I'm going to hire some other guys and hire an analytics guys to basically tell us the best idea of when we go for it on fourth down, if we should kick the field goal, all those kind of decisions will go down to more analytical because I just don't trust you. So I'm going to trust you to call plays, but that that's it. And it's just not – there's nothing about Mike McCarthy in this press conference. I get it's a preseason game, and maybe he'll get better. And by week three, week four, and once we get to the regular season, maybe he'll be like, oh, no, no, now I got it down. We're hitting it, and we're scoring a bunch of points, and everything looks good. Maybe. Or maybe we get to week four, and they lose a game because he can't – 
because he can't get this team pumped up and he can't call the timeout and there's no sense of urgency because you don't hear any sense of urgency in his voice. And now maybe that's because it is preseason. He doesn't care yet. But it just doesn't sound like a guy who is a head coach. It sounds like an offensive coordinator who had to do press conference. That's what it sounds like to me. He was too, he could not, and the amount of times, I can't cut all the times up in this press conference, that he basically said, I couldn't watch that because I was play calling. And he always said it in kind of a smarmy, well, I have this new upper, I have this new job. Like he, like he, you know, didn't want to do it, but kind of got stuck with it. You know when they fire somebody at the office and then they're like, hey, by the way, that's your job now? That's what it feels like he feels happened, where he was fine not really working that hard as a head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, and they put a bunch more on his plate by being, making him the play caller. That's what it sounds like. I don't think that's fully the case. I think Mike McCarthy is talented enough. I don't think Jerry Jones – look, I will give Jerry Jones more credit than a lot of people that I don't think he's that stupid that he hired a guy who doesn't know anything about football. So I think Mike McCarthy has some ability. But if I'm saying I need to get my team ready to go, I need to fight for it, I'm not worried about the defense because we know what Dan Quinn can do. But that offense, man, it just it, – it seems – it just doesn't feel like it's going to be something special this year. And they have the talent. They have the people. You want to be game manager. You want to be able to let the defense carry the load. But you have to kind of connect all the dots in that case. And if Mike McCarthy can't even watch his own O-lineman, if Mike McCarthy can't watch the defense, then how can he manage a game properly to know, hey, man, we need to kind of hurry this up and we'll trust our defense on this one and we need to go down and get some points because we've got to manage the clock? Or is he just going to always call it a slower game? I don't, I don't have any faith in this. Every time, I just don't have any faith in what he says. And maybe I, it's if I just don't listen to any press conferences and only watch games, it may be better. But, man, that dude does not seem like he would be someone. And, look, Bill Belichick doesn't either. Bill Belichick gives the worst press conferences in the world. So, And we know he's won plenty of rings. Now, granted, he won them with Tom Brady, and Mike McCarthy won his with Aaron Rodgers. So maybe maybe it's that. Maybe it's just, you know, if you don't have that quarterback, I can't really do much. And I, I I love Dak, but he ain't he's not that quarterback. Clearly, he's not you know a Hall of Famer. So if we have that, I don't I I don't know if Mike McCarthy finishes the season as the Cowboys head coach. I feel like there's a decent enough chance that Brian Schottenheimer is calling plays with Dan head coach Dan Quinn by midseason. I don't. I don't think that's a that's that's crazy of a of a of a scenario that the offense putters out, and if he's a glorified offensive coordinator and he can't get the team ready, and if you have problems of game management, it, it may be time. It just doesn't. It doesn't sound like he's ready to be the play caller. Everything I couldn't couldn't handle it. Couldn't handle it. Who can handle it? Who's coming back? Zeke Elliott. Zeke Elliott signs a deal with the New England Patriots. He's all ready to go, tweeting about it today, taking back his college number 15. The deal to to go to the Patriots, it's basically a $3 million base salary, uh, another million dollars in signing bonus, and I think he can make another $2 million in uh, in incentives. So if he continues to play well and he you know does his 
puts up big numbers. And I, I he's probably going to be a short yardage and red zone back. That's what you figure he'll be in a lot. And and also pass pro because we know he's really good at pass protecting. But uh, this is uh, it's an interesting signing. He got more money than I really thought he would. So congratulations to Zeke for being able to get up to $6 million on a deal at 28 years old. And, and we know very well, 28 years old, not very old. Very old for a running back, but not very old. Uh, when I see the people commenting across uh, Twitter and across the sports world and uh, their ideas of Zeke, you can tell who watched the Cowboys the last two seasons and who looked at the box scores. So it was I, – I, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, Ramondi Stevenson is going to be the, the main back in, in New England. Congrats to Zeke for getting a contract. I think if you're a Cowboys fan, this is a wonderful news for you because it means Zeke Elliott is not coming back. Jerry Jones can no longer go back and pull that because I think he was going to. That was something if we saw what happened – uh, Rico Dottle did not play well at all in that game, so we but that probably not is going to happen. He's probably not going to make the active roster. Leek Davis played a little bit better, but I don't know if you feel good about any of those guys. You've got to feel good about Deuce Vaughn. Deuce Vaughn looked really good in that game. He looks electric. He's going to be a change of pace, but it's Tony Pollard the pace that you change. I don't know. I, I would love to, for the Cowboys to have a more solid back, but we will see if Malik Davis can step up into that in the next couple games. Uh, let's move over. I want to get into a different subject real quick because we're going to get into Patrick's Big Fat Poll of the Day. And uh, you can join the conversation. 512-337-3776 is the Specs text line here. Uh, but I have a couple of stories real quick. And we'll get that will lead us into our Big Fat Poll of the Day. And uh, the story came out today about James Harden. He was doing a uh, tour for Adidas, I believe, in China. And uh, this is what James Harden had to say today when I guess he was asked about Daryl Morey. Daryl Morey is a liar, and I will never be a part of an organization that he's a part of. Let me say that again. Daryl Morey is a liar, and I will never be a part of an organization that he's a part of. Yeah, that that seems pretty straightforward. That's a new one in the playbook of James Harden. James Harden, who didn't get a max deal in Oklahoma City, so he complained. They trade him to the Rockets. Gets upset that he's not got the players to win, and so they trade for, you know, he gets Chris Paul in there, and then that's not working. He gets Russell Westbrook in there, and that's that end up, doesn't end up working, and he keeps trying to make trades and keeps trying to, you know, going. And Daryl Morey is there, and Daryl Morey is saying, no, no, man, I'm, I'm looking out for you. I'm looking out for you, James. And then finally James Harden realizes it is just ain't going to happen in Houston. So you know what? I hear that there's a super team building up in Brooklyn. They want me there. So, you know what, get get me out of here, go to Brooklyn. And he fights his way out, shows up to camp overweight, gets just basically tries to, to tell them, hey, man, if you keep me here, you're going to deal with someone who is in a very bad mood every single day. They trade him. He goes to Brooklyn, starts to play better. Can't really stay on the field. That whole, we know, the Brooklyn Nets experiment was terrible. Uh, just they couldn't stay on the, the court together. James Harden doesn't really like Kevin Durant a ton, and he – doesn't like Kyrie Irving at all. So he wasn't happy there. So he says, you know what? I don't like being here either. Uh, you know what? Get me out of here. Get me out of here. And, and he works over and Daryl Morey goes, hey, you know what, buddy? Let's work. Let's let's screw the Nets. Let's screw the Nets and, and we'll work a trade and we'll get you over here. And it'll be great. And Daryl Morey does this because Daryl Morey is known as someone who can uh, make a lot of really good deals. He's known as that guy. But the problem with Daryl Morey is... Daryl Morey is a video game 
GM. He's really good at getting good players. He's good at signing guys. He works the cap well. He does all of those things. But one thing he has no clue about, or if he does, he doesn't care, is he does not care about personalities and trying to build a winning culture and winning team. Because all he does is just put pieces in together and go, go win me a title. And when they, when they inevitably don't like each other, don't work well together, have a coach who can't lead them, it all falls apart. And this happens over and over again on Daryl Morey teams, and then he just shuffles the deck again and puts more guys that don't like each other and don't want to play together, and there's no one to lead them, to get them together. We just saw Tony Parker and Popovich and Becky Hammond and, and Pau Gasol and Dwayne Wade, they all go in the Hall of Fame, and they all kind of say the same thing. It's like, hey, man, you kind of have to have this culture, and you have to have this you know, bond with your teammates. You have to have that. Dirk Nowitzki, you have to have that bond. And there's none of that. Daryl Morey doesn't care about the bond. So it ends up that James Harden now is pissed off. He's Daryl Morey says, I don't care. You're still coming back to Philadelphia. So we're going to see how that works. If I, I imagine that James Harden is about to uh, start eating as soon as Daryl Morey said he's still going to be there and he's not going to stop eating for a while. So we get that news today. That, that James Harden just comes out straight out and says Daryl Morey is a liar, which either means that there was uh, tampering and collusion which there always is, but whether there was that and they had an under-the-deal table, under-the-table deal for, uh, hey, man, if you take less this year, we'll give you a max next year, and Daryl Morey just lied to his face when he did it. So either there's that, or he, he felt he was promised something, and he never was, and so he's pissed off about that. Whatever the case, it probably wasn't really technically legal by the rules, but I don't think, you know, as long as Philadelphia and Daryl Morey say, we never told him that, he doesn't have anything in writing, so they can't do anything. But it's a, it's a bad situation. It's hilarious to me because I'm not a James Harden fan. I'm not a Daryl Morey fan. So it's it's pretty funny to me, actually. But <laughs> that situation's happening. Justin Verlander puts out a statement today because the rumors came out after his trade to the back to the Astros that he might have been somebody in a locker room that was not well-received on – in New York. A statement from Justin Verlander. I want to say that I have nothing but respect for the Mets organization. I enjoyed connecting with all of my teammates this season, new and old. It truly was a wonderful group of people. That being said, we all know the success of a team is made up of more than just the players on the field. Everyone's input is valuable. I'm sorry to hear that a staff member took offense to a constructive criticism on how we could improve. Wishing nothing but the best to the Mets moving forward. Basically saying... Grow up, get some tougher skin. I was trying to help you learn something, and you didn't want to listen. You think you know what you're doing, but this is why the Mets cannot win, even though they spend all that money, because it's the same thing. You just put whoever on the team. You don't have people in the staff who, who have built a relationship, and there's no, there's no set culture there. It's the same thing that happens in, in L.A. with the Angels. You can have talent, but until you start building something of, hey, through the staff, it's why the Astros went and got Dusty Baker. Because you go get a guy who says, okay, I can put a culture into the locker room that will then help everyone be better. It's why the Rangers get Bruce Bochy. Because, man, what is the difference between last year and this year? Was you had a coach who didn't really want to take the blame for it to a guy who will fight for all of his players. And it's just a difference. It's a complete difference. There's, there's more to it, clearly, in Texas for the Rangers. But at the same point, you brought in a leader to that team and he can make his staff 
You, if you lead by example, your staff can follow, and you can have a better culture on your team. So Justin Verlander gets called a diva. James Harden gets called a diva. That leads us to Patrick's Big Fat Poll today. Patrick's Big Fat Poll of the Day on the Horn. Poll of the Day today. I need your input because I don't even have any names on here. I know he just gave you some examples of James Harden and Justin Verlander who've been called divas today. But the question today, the poll of the day, we will put it up on social media later today. Who is the biggest diva in sports today? Who do you hate? Who do you think is a locker room cancer? Who is the biggest diva that will ruin it, ruin a team, can't stand them? Tell me on the Specs text line, 512-337-3776. Let me know who the biggest diva in sports is today. Uh, we'll read those off a little bit later. Uh, I mean, I, James Harden seems like he might be on that list at this point. I don't think Justin Verlander is there. Maybe I'm biased because I'm an Astros fan, but... I don't think Justin Verlander is a diva. I think he's done well. He did, he was always respected in Detroit. He was respected in Houston. And one place he goes that seems to have massive problems from top to bottom in the Mets, they don't like him. Uh, that may be a, it's not me, it's you. But tell me, who is the biggest diva in sports today? Specs text line, 512-337-3776. We come back. We're going to play an interview that they had earlier today. Ian Robbie talked to Pete Sampson about the Notre Dame Fighting Irish Number 15 on the Horn Top 20 Countdown, getting us ready for college football season. Coming up here on the Sports Complex on the Horn. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Sports Complex of the Horn. Sunshine, blue skies, please go away. A girl has found another and go Back on the sports complex here on the horn. It's uh I spent uh, all of yesterday like eight or nine hours outside at a show, at a concert. Uh it was very hot, very sweaty all day. Uh and uh I believe so this this theme of this week for our musical theme is gonna be Man, I wish it would rain. I, we're going to do some rain songs. We're going to try and do a rain dance every day here on the Sports Complex for the rest of the week and try and get us a little bit of rain, maybe a cold front to blow in, and a real one. I know it's technically a cold front if it drops five degrees, and it's you know instead of 107, it's 102. I get that's technically a cold front. I want a real one. I want to get below 100 as our high one day, but I want some rain. So we're going to be playing rain songs all week, trying to do a rain dance here on the Sports Complex. Keep those texts coming in. 512-337-3776 is the Specs text line. Getting some good answers for our big fat poll of the day. Who is the biggest diva in sports today? Keep those coming in. 512-337-3776. Earlier today on the E and Rodby morning show, 6 to 11 a.m. right here on uh, The Horn. E, Aaron Hogan had in our head on the phone Pete Sampson from The Athletic, covers Notre Dame, has covered him for a long time. Uh, They're number 15 on our Horn Top 20 Countdown, getting us ready for college football 
And here's uh, here's the interview this morning with Pete Sampson, getting us caught up on what's happening in Notre Dame. One of the more interesting teams to watch with all the conference realignment stuff. They want to stay independent. Will they be able to? That is uh, the question. And uh, if you're good, you can. The worse you get, the harder it is. Marcus Freeman, there's a lot of questions going into Notre Dame. Here's the interview from this morning with Pete Sampson on E and Rodby. Notre Dame. In at uh, number fifteen, and uh, coming off a nine and five season, and the, you know, as, as Rod B said on the way out, the uh, the emergence and the transfer of one Sam Harton Hartman to help rev up the offense for Marcus Freeman in year two, and uh, what will it be? Uh, and we'll find out here coming up. Get an insider's preview of what Notre Dame is all about. We'll also run through their schedule and what they're going to be at number fifteen. With that in mind, can we go to the Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina Hotline? He is uh, covering the the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, and has for a long time. He's at TheAthletic.com, our friend Pete Sampson, to talk some Notre Dame football. Pete, good morning. Hey, how's it going? Doing good, doing good. Your uh, second full year under Marcus Freeman. Can I start with last year's 9-5 and five campaign and uh, where things stand with the fans? How are they feeling about Marcus Freeman at the helm of the uh, the Irish program? I, I'd say cautiously optimistic. Um, and I think, you know, you get a lot of questions like, well, how much better is Freeman going to be in year two than year one? And, like, I get it, it's all – all important for a first-year head coach to no longer be a first-year head coach. But, I mean, the biggest reason Marcus Freeman is going to be better in year two than year one is his quarterback is a lot better. So I think that's that's really driving so much of the optimism around Notre Dame right now. It's it's maybe less about the head coach than it was a year ago and so much more about the quarterback. In the era of the transfer portal, a player that's played a lot of college football at the uh, the high level of the ACC there at Wake Forest, Sam Hartman, is now in control. How how great of an upgrade is that for the Notre Dame offense, Pete? I mean, it's massive because it lets Notre Dame's offense operate in a sort of modern mode where the quarterback can make plays. He can be the reason you win. It's not Notre Dame's been sort of stuck in this game manager mode for a long time, um, and they've had some really they've had some good game managers, but the last time they had a quarterback that could go out and just win you a game, um, you know, whether it be Brady Quinn or Jimmy Clausen, like it's been a long time. So I think the, that's the, that's the best case scenario with Hartman. Um, and I'm not saying that he needs to go out there and just be a gunslinger and throw 40 touchdowns and look like Joe Burrow 2019, but he is should be able to like let Notre Dame go into games against USC or Ohio State and not feel inferior at the quarterback position, which is really where Notre Dame was last season. Uh, also, they are typically really good up front, and uh, offensive line has been just an absolute you know bell cow of the, that program. Uh, where does that stand, and what are the uh, the main weapons on the on the rest of the offense for Marcus Freeman? Their tackles are elite. I mean, Joe Alt will be a first team All American. Blake Fisher probably. You know, maybe a fringe All-American, but certainly a maybe a day two NFL guy at a, at worst. And then, you know, but the offensive skill positions like they're good at running back with Audric Estime. Their tight end should be solid. There's no Michael Mayer. Um, the receivers, I think, is a, a big concern for Notre Dame right now. Um, and you know, it's like from your area, Jaden Greathouse, who played down at Westlake. Like they're they're relying on him to come in and do something right away as a true freshman. Um, and that's like, you know, typically you don't college football playoff contenders are not relying on true freshmen across the board, but at receiver, they're, they're really going to need a surprise to, you know, a young player to take a huge step forward. And that's, um, 
that's going to leave you with some inconsistencies along the way, but they, they need somebody like a great house who seems incredibly mature from talking to him up here. Um, you know, and he played a sophisticated offense down there. That That's the kind of player they need to really have a breakout freshman season. It's interesting because we covered Jordan back in the day, obviously. And, you know, one of the at Westlake, which is a power program in the state of Texas, he was a mm-hmm. starter as a freshman here. Uh, for Westlake. So, you know, he was on the team as a freshman, which is rare at a program like that. But, man, if anybody can do it, it'd be Jaden Greathouse and just a, an all-around ball player without a doubt. And, you know, Braylon James, a kid from this area who was, was recruited there. And uh, yep. uh, no doubt Marcus Freeman has made the state of Texas and even Central Texas a priority with he and his coaching staff on the recruiting trail. Yeah, I mean, their receivers coach, uh, Chancey Stuckey, who was at Baylor, you know, he knew all the receivers in Texas. They so his first year, they you know, KK Smith was is another guy. They got three, four receivers last year. Three of them were from Texas. Um, Greyhouse by far the most um, sort of out of the box, ready to go. Braylon James, I think the staff sees as more of a, de- a developmental prospect, like very athletic and talented, but just super raw. Um, Greyhouse, like man, you you would have a hard time finding guys playing in, at a higher level of football than what they do at Westlake you know, or Kate Klubnick's quarterback. And that's um, – they they expect that to translate. I think he had 11 catches in the spring game. Wow. Uh, and just – he's just – you talk to him and you feel like you're talking to someone who's 28 years old, not 18. <laughs> and I think that it sort of comes across in the way he plays when you watch him at some of these open practices that I've been able to go to. Awesome. Pete Sampson with the athletic.com covering Notre Dame number 15 in our countdown uh, on the defensive side, you know, up front, Isaiah Foskey and three other, you know, one of the three veterans that's moving on. So you got to replace some guys there and really wasn't a great red zone defense for Notre Dame last year. How do they improve that side? And that's Marcus Freeman specialty. Uh, what is the, what are the strengths and weaknesses of the defensive side? Yeah, at corner, it's probably as good a group of corners as Notre Dame has had 10 years at least. Um, and that's, you know, they have had some good corners along the way, um, but I think in terms of depth and then frontline guys, Ben Morrison was a freshman All-American last year. Uh, I think their linebackers will be very good. They're very old. Um, it's basically grad students across the board there. Uh, defensive end, that is where my big concern is. And it's not like they don't have options there, but there's nobody who really has stepped up as like a reliable player. And if you don't, it's like, if you don't have a strong pass rush from the edge, then how good your corners are, like nobody's going to be able to guard for six, eight seconds a time if you can't get pressure. So that's the big question mark of the defensive. If they can get moderate pressure from the defensive end spot, I think this should be a a good defense. Um, If they can have like sort of a, a surprise story, whether it be Jordan Batello, who's a senior from Hawaii, who has played a little bit, or Jamonte Jean-Baptiste, who was a grad transfer from Ohio State. If they can get a surprise there, um, then the defense has a chance to maybe be better than what people think. But um, corner, linebacker, those really should be big strengths for this group. Strengths for the team. It's Pete Sampson talking Notre Dame, number 15 in our countdown on the way to number one. Offense now has a leader in Sam Hartman. Defense 
Um, you know, obviously has some guys to replace up front, but really strong behind that. What about the schedule? Obviously, it's always a tough schedule, na- you know, nationwide schedule for Notre Dame, Pete. And um, obviously, you guys are playing a week from the week from Saturday. You guys are in Ireland, Dublin, to yeah. play Navy. So the you guys are way ahead of the curve on that at at, at South Bend. Talk about the trip to that, and then you come back play Tennessee State ahead of a trip to NC State. There's also the big one with Ohio State late September. You know, USC at Notre Dame Stadium in the middle of October, and then a trip to Clemson on the the schedule in November early on. Uh, it's daunting. It's as good. You know, Notre Dame's always going to play a tough schedule. Yeah, it's it's a it's a very difficult schedule because it's. I mean, you've got the three games at the top, and like, yeah, they're. You know, if you're in the SEC, you're going to play three teams, probably the equivalent of Ohio State, USC, and Clemson. But I I really feel like the the draw they got from the ACC is kind of sneaky difficult like nc state duke were very good last year pittsburgh plays them tough um louisville with jeff brown what are you going to see there who knows um but i think that nc state game it's notre dame's third game i think it's week two of the actual like college football season uh they play at noon carter finley stadium in raleigh like nc state is good enough to beat notre dame if notre dame shows up with like a a C plus performance. Um, and that, that is one of the growth areas where I think Marcus Freeman really needs to show something in year two is like, how do you get the team to be more consistent and more sort of level-headed when they play? So you don't run into a Marshall or a Stanford like last season, where it's just a complete flat tire. So if they can get NC state, then they'll be undefeated when Ohio state comes here, it'll be a top 10 matchup. Um, you know, but you, you got to get over that first hurdle of NC State before you can start looking ahead to like, okay, these are the, the big three games of Ohio State, USC, and Clemson. Two of them are at home. So you figure, you know, there's there's a chance to, to make some noise there against some some legit playoff and national title contending type teams. No question. USC at uh, number four in the preseason, Ohio State five, Clemson nine, and then you know uh, Pittsburgh's in there too, a good team out of the ACC, Stanford at the end of the year. Hey, um, Pete, the, the ACC and its potential growth, obviously your thoughts just as a college football fan on the collapse of the Pac-12 and uh, the further growth of the Big Ten and the Big 12, where does this stand? Obviously Notre Dame reportedly has been a proponent of adding Cal and Stanford to the, the ACC. That got voted down over the weekend. Uh, where does this stand in your perspective from Notre Dame and just your, your your general opinions on what's going on? I mean, Notre Dame would love it if the ACC would add those teams, um, not just from the, the academic component um but just like the acc has been i think pretty good for notre dame um but notre dame really likes to sort of be on both coasts as much as possible well if you can have a conference that's on both coasts um that allows you the flexibility the acc does that's a that would be a a big win for notre dame so it's you know what happened to the pac-12 is a shame as a college football fan so, you know somebody grew up on like the big 10 pack 10 rose bowls um when i was a kid like that's that's tough to sort of see that fall apart mm-hmm. um you know but in terms of making the best of it what's good for notre dame isn't necessarily good for the acc i understand why the acc's position is what it is but um you know it, i'd be interested to see if notre dame would be willing to give a little to the acc to get uh, Stanford and Cal, and I'm, I'm doubtful that they would, you know, maybe take on a, a fifth ACC game, 
or make some other concessions, but um, I understand why it makes sense to Notre Dame, I, but I also understand why it doesn't make sense to the ACC at large. Yeah, it's interesting. And reportedly that vote was uh, you know one vote shy. They need 12 of the 15. Notre Dame is on board, but uh, four votes against, including both, both Carolina schools. Uh, also, Florida State and Clemson voted against it. Uh, for whatever the reasons. And there was some reporting, uh, I think Sarah Arbach at TheAthletic.com, that uh, even at, at those universities, at some schools, the AD and the president are in disagreement, right? The leadership at, at individual schools yeah. are not sure what they want to do. Any prediction on how this will play out? I, I have a hard time seeing Stanford and Cal not getting picked up by somebody. Right. Um, you know, I, to me, I feel like Cal and Stanford, maybe they'll end up in the ACC, but on the same terms as like Oregon and Washington going to the Big Ten, where you're sort of like also in there and getting like a partial share right. um, of revenue to start, and then maybe you can become a full member later. But it just, especially with Stanford, their their sports programs, um, it just it doesn't make any sense for them to be unattached entirely. I mean, I think the best case scenario is the Big Ten is like. We're just going to have an entire six-team West Coast block. But um, I understand why the money doesn't make sense for either of those leagues to pick them up, and the travel's uh, difficult as well. But it's college football's a mess, man. Uh, I'm I'm excited that the games are about to start. We can talk about those. But uh, the offseason, it's been yet another rough offseason for a sport that just no one feels like they're really in charge. He is Pete Sampson, Notre Dame beat writer for TheAthletic.com. Are you headed to Dublin, I'm sure? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, got an overnight flight uh, two weeks from tomorrow, which is kind of hard to get my head around. Uh, but, yeah, I'll be, uh, I'll be flying over there uh, for the for a short weekend. But, it's, um, yeah, it's going to be fun to sort of see how Marcus Freeman year two in San Hartman looks um, from Aviva Stadium in Dublin against Navy. All right, well, uh, enjoy that. Safe travels. And then uh, we'll check in again as the season goes. There's some heavyweight matchups in there that we would love to get into a deep dive conversation on. Thank you, Pete. Absolutely. Anytime. Thanks. Find Pete Sampson on Twitter and uh, all of his work at theathletic.com on Twitter. It's at Pete Sampson underscore. And yeah, man, how about that game? Navy and Notre Dame in Dublin, Ireland. There you go. Pete Sampson joining Ian Robby this morning talking about number 15 on the Horn Top 20 Countdown, getting us ready for college football season. We'll come back. We will read some of your answers for the Big Fat Poll of the Day, the biggest diva in sports today. Send us in, 512-337-3776. Who is the biggest diva in sports today? 512-337-3776. Coming back here on the Sports Complex on the Horn. The Sports Complex, afternoons 5 to 7 on the Horn. Back in the sports complex here on the Horn. We've been asking you guys all day for our big fat poll of the day. Who is the biggest diva in sports? We know James Harden was called a diva today. We know Justin Verlander was called a diva today. So we wanted to ask you, who do you have as the biggest diva in sports? And uh, let's go through some of your answers here on the Specs text line. You can text in and join the conversation, 512-337-3776. Uh, we will have, uh, let's see, oh, first time I've been able to listen to you. Had me at the opening music. If you like the opening music of the show, that is a song by the Dehebe Jeebies called No Doubt. You can look that up. Dehebe Jeebies, one of the best. Uh, will any of these divas actually be female? You can. There may be. I know a lot of people don't like the, the U.S. women's soccer team. They may say there's some. 
I don't know about it, but that's somebody, some may say that. We get a Kyler Murray in here. Aaron Rodgers, definitely Aaron Rodgers is going to be one that people talk about. He's, he seems like he's changed his ways in New York. Apparently it was just a Green Bay thing, and he hated the leadership there. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, it, it seems like Aaron Rodgers maybe, maybe is, uh, is just waiting to explode. Something can go wrong. I know they said there was already that report that, uh, that there was bad drills and he was already getting miffed. So who knows? Uh, Nick Saban talking about the Texas Collective. Nick Saban is one of the biggest divas. I don't. I could kind of see it. I, I don't. I don't know if he's there, but he's definitely. He's definitely had diva moments. Kevin Durant on there. Aaron Rodgers again. Kyrie Irving is listed as well a number of times. A lot of basketball players too. Uh, biggest divas. James Harden there. We all have. Uh, yeah, Kyrie here. Because Kyrie popped his feelings in every coach team since then is also MJ would make Kyrie cry. For that matter, Steve Kerr would also, and Rodman would have him fetching beers while calling him things I can't say on the radio. And uh, another, and waiting to see Aaron Rodgers lose his S and blame his team. That's one because you know what's going to happen in the New York spotlights. Another Aaron Rodgers. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to be on our list. Uh, Kyler Murray might be on there. Kyler Cryer Murray is put on there. And LeBron, of course, you know, people are going to put LeBron as the biggest diva. He may be. He is. Uh, he does like to make some noise. Uh, Kyler freaking Murray again. There we get uh, Tim Anderson and LeBron James. A lot of Kyler. So Kyler wants to be on this list. We want to have Aaron Rodgers. James Harden may be on this list. He is asking for another trade. And he wants, and of course, all the trades now are all asked for in the sense of, you know what? We just have to make the trade. Uh, I want to go to one team. I want you to give up nothing to give uh, to get rid of me. Uh, you, if you guys could just take a second round pick and trade me to this team, so I could win a championship, that that would be great. I know I'm not doing it. I signed a contract and and I opted into the contract. I still don't get why James Harden opted into this contract. I mean, I do get it. Was he wasn't going to get the same money on the open market? But at the same part, you can't. You just can't opt in and then be mad that you're there. Like, you had the choice. You could have walked away, and you chose not to. That, it seems like I get I get the financials of it that a bunch of teams didn't have money. They probably could have made some. They could have traded off somebody else and, and tried to open up some cap. Would have had to give up a draft pick. Probably would have been easier for some of these teams. I know you couldn't have gone to the Clippers. That's where you want to go, and they just don't have the money. So, But you could have even tried to work a sign-and-trade then with the Philadelphia 76ers, and it would have been easier. Because you could have said, hey, uh, so I'm going to re-sign with you guys. But but if you opt in, it makes it harder to make that sign and trade. It's just a, a ridiculous move with James Hart. But uh, Russell Wilson, a big diva. Uh, there's a Megan Rapinoe. I was waiting. I know that people are not a big fan of hers, uh, especially after the uh, loss there uh, in the uh, World Cup. Uh, yeah, I but I, I want to know. 512-337-3776 is the Specs text line. Who the biggest diva is in sports right now? I, I feel like we got a couple of them. Uh, Kyler Murray seems to be a lot of people. Maybe that's a Texas thing. But <laughs> Kyler Murray seems to be one. Uh, Aaron Rodgers seems to be one. James Harden seems to be one. And so who is going to be the last one on that list? That's what I'm curious. Kaepernick, I don't know. Kaepernick, we haven't, he's not even in sports today. He's not even He's not in the news anymore. So I don't buy it. He can't be in sports today. He hasn't played in the league in years. <laughs> Kyrie Irving may be on that list too. Kyrie Irving is is a very good shot to be on that list. Uh, I know that he came out this week though, and Mavs fans used to be happy. He said, "I'm not going to the the Lakers. That's crazy." 
I'm in Dallas. I'm staying in Dallas. And I mean, he's he's going to mean that for at least the first three weeks of the season. After that, who knows? But you know, first three weeks, he's going to be all on board for that. Tell us what you think. 512-337-3776. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll hit hour number two. It is a shortened show today because of the Texas Rangers. Pre-game will start at 6.30 for the Texas Rangers uh, kicking off a new series. Uh, and we're going to get you there at 6.30. But we still got 30 more minutes here on the Sports Complex here on the Horn, 1019 AM 1260, on the Horn app and at hornfm.com.